and messenger to the churches, and we'll see this morning his qualifications. Now here's what you need to understand if you don't understand this heretofore. Prophecy is history written beforehand. Prophecy is pre-written history. And so we, um, we have here, and I challenged you last week, I, I keep this alive with you if you will. If you're studying your Bible, go down your column uh, notes, your references, and look those things up as you go. And you'll find in the first chapter particularly of, of uh, Revelation and along the way that it, it takes you back to the book of Daniel. Now Daniel wrote the prophecy, he pre-wrote the prophecy that's coming true in, in our day. Amen. And the Lord said to him, now shut the book, seal the book. And Daniel said, what else? He says, not for you to know, don't worry about it. You've done your job, you're a good man, thank you. You've done your, you've done your part, now you rest. And, he, and he's been uh, resting ever since. And he said to John, what you see here, write in the book. Write it down so we can have the book. Again, there are many people, I talk to them daily, I think. If I mention the book of Revelation, they come across someone in the day that says this, it's not for us to know. That's foolishness. The book of the Revelation, is. if you look at the word Revelation again, it just means full disclosure. The Lord said, I'm disclosing this to you, my children. First to the seven churches and then to the church as a whole. We see this Christ come. And today we're going to look at his, at his qualifications, his characteristics, and we see him come. And he reveals himself in a way that if you read this and it doesn't excite you, if you don't have a greater picture of Christ than you do from just the Gospels, you're not reading it. This is the qualified messenger. Do you remember? Major Ian Thomas wrote a book called The Saving Life of Jesus. And in that book, I found a line, and that may be not true, it may be from another writing, but that book surely was an eye-opener for me. Love the book, I read it once a year, just read through it. The Saving Life of Jesus Christ from Major Ian Thomas. I was listening one day, Adrian Rogers said that book changed his life as a young preacher. I thought, wow, when you, when you respect someone, it's fun to hear they, they agree with you. And... Uh, Here's what, here's what Ian Thomas said in one of his writings. The life that Christ lived qualified him for the death that he died. And the death that he died qualifies us for the life we're to live. Now you think about that. The life that Jesus Christ lived, the sinless, pure, spotless life that he lived, qualified him for the atoning death that he died. And the death that he died then qualifies us, his children that believe in him, blood-bought children, for the life that we are to live. Do you know why Satan hates you if you're a Christian, if you're blood-bought, if you're trying to live the purpose and the plan of Christ? Because you're qualified, and you're the one that can get it done. Church members don't bother him a bit. His church members, basically church members, don't bother Satan a bit. Matter of fact, Satan loves religion. He loves religion. He loves for people to be in dogmas and doctrines and get wound up in all these things to make themselves think they're superior in some way to something. But he hates the qualified life. He hates the blood-bought, gratitude-filled life that says this, Thy will be done. Praise God. And here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. And so as we look at this first chapter of Revelation, we have read through the first eight verses. We pick up in verse 9, and says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's his high crime there, folks. He... He was put on, a, on an island and secluded and, and tortured because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book 
and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and Smyrna, unto Pergamos and Thyatira, unto Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet likened to fine brass, as if they'd burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys of hell and of death. <clears throat> Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this hour. Now, as we look at the qualifications of the messenger to the churches, may we, as a group, with a grateful heart, excited to know and to learn, may we, Father, from your word, gather these things that give us hope, that make us trust in the one who's coming, that make us know of a certainty with, with no doubt that he is the one. Our Lord is the one. Jesus Christ is the one who's going to come one day and set it all straight. And so, Father, we just pray that we'd be messengers and, and we'd be the angels of this generation that would be faithful to your word and to your doctrine and teach the generation to come to stand on the foundation of Christ. Help us through the reading and the hearing of this. Help us through the teaching and the explanation promptings of the Holy Spirit to understand what you have here for us this morning. We pray for every problem in this church as far as health and, and things that are not well in families. And Praise we God. have much. Praise the Lord. Misha's family, we pray for the entire family. We pray for little Jake as the Lord, we just, our heart goes out. Hard to look at. Hard to see. And Father, we just pray for every prayer request in this church, spoken or unspoken. Much illness, much pain. The Lord, help us to know this part of the journey. Help us to keep our eyes on you and know that one day, one day, Lord, it'll all be gone. Father, give us the vision. Help us to be strong. Give us strength and understanding. Give us courage for the battle. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you last week, and we're going to do that this week, is uh, start with the reading of the first chapter with the idea in mind of who, what, when, where, and why. Because all proper journalism, which none of us see anymore, and, and all crime scenes that are properly investigated, this is the scenario, this is the basis of how you find the answers. And so as we look through the book of Revelation, chapter 1, may not do the whole thing, but look at it with me. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. That is the first verse. What is it? What are we looking at? The revelation. We're looking at the, the full disclosure, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. If you will read your Bible, you'll find it says in the early parts of the Bible, and the word used, if you look it up in the translation of it, 
what Jesus and God made on this world was a canopy. What Eve and Adam had before the fall was a canopy. It was like a terrarium. It was, there was no rain, no need for rain. There was a humidity and a, it was a canopy. And you see, here's what Satan did, and you can find it. And I read it to you about a month ago just so you can see it. It's in Jeremiah 25, I believe. So God put a canopy over the world. That went away with sin. Now we're going to have to have rain. Now we need rain, and rain comes and rain goes, and too much rain's a flood, and not enough's a drought, and we just have to depend on what the sky does. That's the curse. But over that, over that, Satan put a veil. Satan put a veil. Here's my understanding. Here's my. Here's what I believe. Satan destroyed something one day through Eve that you and I will go back into in the kingdom age, which, was which I believe is living in the higher frequency. There's a, there is right now a veil over the world. If Satan's world, he has a veil over this world. If you look up the word veil in the Bible when it says in, in the place that it says there's a veil over this world, the real word is a shroud. And you want shrouds are used for? That's right. You cover the corpse with a shroud. Satan is all about death. I believe this with everything in my person. I believe this. Jesus Christ, Jesus spoke this world into existence through vibration, frequency. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Frequency speeded up. Frequency sped up becomes light. Sound becomes light when it gets to a higher frequency. By saying it, it became that. There was a frequency in the world at that time that I believe that we find now that uh, only the ones that I can understand to see it was Tesla. Tesla knew more about these things than any other man on the planet. And he said, you want, to, you want to think about things in creation? Think about vibration, right, and frequency. I read that when I was younger, and I thought, well, I don't know about all that. Folks, look into that. There's a frequency in the world that's healing. There is a frequency which is healing. There's a frequency which the sun gives off, as a matter of fact. There's frequencies that heal. There are frequencies when you don't receive them that you can't hardly be well. Plus the other things that are happening in this world. That's my opinion. That's, I'm telling you, that's my opinion right now. But what I believe is the revelation of Jesus Christ is this. I'm going to come and get you one day and take you back to the higher frequency. I'm going to take you to a place where you should have been walking all the time. All the time. I don't think Adam and Eve could have felt bad. I don't think they could have gotten sick. I don't think it's possible. Living in that frequency, living in that world, eating fresh and, and unpolluted, all those things. I don't think Adam and Eve could have gotten sick. That's an opinion. That's an opinion of mine. This is what, when we look at what in the first chapter, it's the revelation that God gave. In verse 2, he bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. That's what. Who did it? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who? God gave. To who? Him. God gave it to Jesus Christ. Remember last, last week we read this. Jesus said, no man knows the hour, not even the Son. And then God revealed it to his Son. And his Son, in, in fact, gave it to John. And he bare record of these things. Blessed is he that... Who? Blessed is who? He that readeth. And they that hear and they that keep the words of this prophecy. Who is the reader, the hearer, the keeper of what? The words of the prophecy and those things which are written therein. When? What's going on? What's the, the time is at hand? I'm telling you this. If you read and you study with who, what, when, where, and why is your premise, you're going to start understanding some of the scripture even deeper. 
Who's he speaking to? Who are the blessed? Blessed are they that read this prophecy. And when you get in the Amplified Bible, you find this to be true. It says read in an open audience. They read aloud in open audience. You want a blessing? Stand up at home and read the prophecy of the Revelation. I don't feel very blessed. Well, get one. Here's a promise of blessing. Read this. And hear the words. And then keep them. Keep them. To whom? Verse 4, John. To whom? The seven churches which are in Asia. I want you to see with me this morning that God calls himself in this revelation. The Holy Spirit calls God in verse 4. Him... This is a revelation from him which is and which was and which is to come. That's God. And from the whole, from the seven spirits. And from Jesus Christ. So God the Father here is characterized by him which is and which was and which is to come. When you drop this verse 8 as we looked at last week again, it says, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The same characteristics of the Father. He says in verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. He says in verse 17, Fear not, I am first and last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. What do you think Jesus Christ is trying to give John in his description of his character. If you were awake, what do you think it would be? Listen, listen. You all were children once. Right. You all were children once. If you didn't have someone in your house that said something and that meant something, Shame on them. Shame on them. Here's, here's the title I got. Why do I have to do that? Why is that? Why is that? I'm your dad. Jesus goes into this long description of who he is and says this. I'm about to tell you something. John, I'm about to tell you something. I'm about to tell the church something. I'm about to disclose to the church of all ages something. Here are my qualifications as the messenger. Isn't it interesting we don't believe it? I think it's fascinating the church at large that does not believe this Christ is qualified to tell us these things and then to judge us when he returns. The church today is preaching he is not qualified. The church is preaching this. Oh, you live in the grace age, and you know what? He knows you're weak. He knows you're lusty. He knows you're filthy. He knows you're a dog. He knows you're a rat. Go be a rat with the other rats. You know what? Uh, he loves you. What that does in collateral damage to those around you and in your care. There's not a day I'm going to stand here and say he doesn't love you. Oh, he loves you. He loves you too much to let you get away with that. Amen. He loves me too much to let me live my life. Amen. Under the flesh, under my lust, under my desires. He loved me too much, and he stopped me at every turn. There are days when he said to me, no. I said, no. I said, but Lord, that's, that's, I want to do that, and it seems right. And he said, it's. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. And so I think about that and I think, well, it worked for that guy and now look what he's got. And the Lord said, you're not him. How many times did you hear in your parents' home that you're not them? I'm not raising that bunch of heathen. I'm talking to you. I was the youngest of the boys and the second to the youngest of the nine and I often said to my dad, well, they're doing it. He said, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. My own siblings, my friends, my schoolmates. I said, Dad, they're doing it. He said, well, I don't care what they're doing. I'm raising you. 
I have a plan for your life. I know what I want you to become. You do what I tell you. Why? Because I'm your dad. I said so. Now I have a psychologist friend from the University of Kansas who says that is nothing more than abuse. That's nothing more or less than just abuse to say this because I said so. Well, he was the one bringing the groceries home to his house, by the way. And I knew this. One of these days, one of these days, I was going to have my own house. And he told me often, when I come to your house, I'll follow your rules. You do what I say here, it's mine. He said, when I come to your house, you want me to take off my shoes and have my clothes? I'll sit there for a little bit. I'm going to leave shortly. But if you want me to get half naked, I'll sit there with you. That's what people were doing in those days. You got to take off everything. He said this to me. I'm going to come to your house one of these days, and you tell me I'll do it. If I don't like what you're telling me, I'll leave, which I expect you'll do one day, too. You know what? He was qualified. He's he, he the one that brought me home from the hospital. He's the one that fed me every day and gave me a bed and clothes education. This one, Jesus Christ, is so far and above that. This one, Jesus Christ, as we look at him, he says, look at the qualifications with me. Look what he says. He's a son of man, in verse 13, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girded about the path with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and his eye, and his uh, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. What is that? The trying, the testing, the trial. The Lord that sees all, He knows all, but He sees everything, and He says, "I'm trying you. I'm watching you." This is what's going on in the world today. Happens to me about twice a week. Is what happens. And I'm like this. So, you're watching me? Okay, that's going to change a lot. People come in and do that to me like, oh, I'm watching you. And I'm like this. And I've watched you too. I'm, not, I don't, I'm telling you, you don't, you don't have much to tell me. I've seen you. I've seen what you do. But some of them are kidding, some of them are serious. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. But then I have a description of my God, my Christ. The one that I say is not only my Savior, I admit he's my Lord. And he says, oh, I'm watching you, boy. I see you. I see you. I see you there. Oh, I see you. I saw you. I'm going to see you. And not only do I know what you did, I know what you're doing, I also know what you're going to do. You know how many Christians have the idea that when Jesus said to Judas, the night he was betrayed, what thou doest, do quickly? They thought Jesus, Jesus looked at him and thought, I don't know what he's up to. He knew his whole life, folks. He, it wasn't that he got, oh, this, oh, I can see what's happening here. It's a Lord who says, I know all about you. Go ahead. Go ahead. And if you think you've got some, away with something one day in your life, if you think that the cloak of darkness and you're parked two blocks away and you walk through the trees and you got there and did what you were doing and no one saw it, you've got to be kidding me. Jesus said, I was in the room. I was in the room when you did it. I heard what you said and I saw what you did. The problem is Satan was in the room too and he said, that's one of yours right there. That's your boy. I don't want to go to church every Sunday. He puts money in the till and says he's a Christian. That's your daughter there, Lord. Isn't that weird? And Jesus said, yeah, that's mine. That's mine. I saw it. I saw it. Amazing how many adults in this world think they get away with things because they look around and there's no one else looking at them. That's the mind of a child, a very young child. That's the mind of someone who doesn't think clearly. His eyes are flames of fire. You see, we go back to the third chapter, 1 Corinthians, you'll find that everything you and I ever did, ever did in our life is going to be passed through a fire. The fire purifies. It burns things up. It, 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 it burns the things that are trashed to ashes, and it purifies the things that are worth having. 
It purifies the gold and the silver and the precious stones. They'll come out shiny, pure and clear. But the things that we did just for us, the Lord's going to say, it, that was trash. It's all burned up. You ever, I'm telling you, a hot fire will clean up a lot of stuff quick. You know how hot the Lord can make a fire? Yeah. The, the A-bomb didn't surprise him. He started the world with that kind of power. And his feet. Listen now, his feet. were likened to fine brass as if it's been burned in a furnace. I believed when I was in coming into the ministry, being 30-some years ago, I believe this means he took and walked in your judgment and went down and walked in your fire. I have been ridiculed and screamed at by about every preacher I know. I'm going to say it again. I think he went down and walked in our fire. He said, I went down. He, what is it that he ascended? Also that he descended first. Where did he go? He went down to hell. He went down to hell. He walked in our, he took our judgment. He walked in that fire. He had to get over there close enough to Satan to take the keys from him. You can't have them anymore. You can't put my children in bondage anymore. They're mine. He says in this passage, I have the keys to hell and death. What does the key do? It, it unlocks and it locks. It unlocks and it locks. Those of us who are born again are going to be set free for eternity in his fellowship. Those that don't believe in him and walk away from him and say they're smarter, they're better, they believe it, they don't believe it, I don't believe that. I mean, so here's your deal. It's to your detriment. And one of these days, the Lord's going to lock the pit. He's going to lock the pit. Folks, you believe he's qualified to tell us some things? Don't you believe he's qualified to tell us how we should behave? I was just a man. I was a, a, I was a young father. Young fathers are struggling to figure out their own life, and then they have these kids, and they're supposed to be able to, to train them and straighten their life out and lead them in a path. And uh, boy, it takes fellowship with Christ. And I was a young father, and I demanded my kids do some things, and they did it. They did it. I was bigger than them. And some days that's all it was about. I was just bigger than them. They didn't want to do some of those things. I didn't either. But I knew from my own experience, my childhood and growth, the years I had, that these are the best things to do. And you know what? On my knees one night before the Lord, like Solomon when he was given the kingdom, I said, Lord, how am I supposed to govern these kids? I don't have enough sense to live my own life right. And the Lord said, I qualified you. I gave them to you. I gave those kids to you. I qualified you to be their father. He said, I also gave you a manual on how to raise them. I would refer to it often. And so I did. His feet were like fine brass that had been burnished in the fire, in the furnace. I'm telling you what. If I stand before the Lord and he said, that's a lie, I'm going to say that. I'm sorry. I believe everything. I believed it. I looked up the words. I see what it says. His feet looked like he'd walked in the fire somewhere. Where would that be? What was he doing in the fire? I was um, on my way as a boy to be a pyromaniac. I still like fire. I don't want to be with it forever. I think I'll get my fill here and go be with absent for the rest of eternity, but I like fire. Contained fire is really good. Fire in the furnace is good, in the bedroom, bad. Fire in the furnace is good, in the roof is bad, in the attic is bad, in the bed everywhere but where it should be. I set fires when I was a kid, and one day my dad came home and there was a spot about that big next to the foundation of the house, just below my bedroom window. He knew who it was. I put some little sticks and grass there, and I lit that fire. Pretty good thing to do if you want to get, you know, clubbed. And my dad walked in and said a few things to the other kids and gave a few directions and said, you hit you, come here with me. And he walked around there and said, really? The best place to start a fire is the foundation of the house. 
that we want to start a fire. I said, are you going to whip me? He said, no. Huh. He said, go light the trash. Take all the trash you can find and light the barrel. So I did. That was my job, by the way. So there was plenty to burn. A couple days' work. That fire was shooting about that high above the barrel. He grabbed my hands in his and stuck them in the fire. Boy, I was screaming and jumping. I never got hurt. He burned hair off his hands and arms and burned his hands. He said, you want your brother and sister to go through that? Is that what you want? I said, no, I don't want to buy it. The Lord did that for me, too. He walked in my fire. When I got out of there, boy, I said, I mean, it's, it smelled bad and it burned. I only had three hairs anyway. Burned them off and I was, oh, he tried to hurt me, he hurt me. He just looked at me. He said, you put fire where I tell you to and nowhere else. The Lord went down one day and said, I don't want you walking in that. I'll walk in it for you. Aren't you glad this morning? That this qualified one is qualified because of what he's done for us. I mean, you look back at verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him which loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Is that all he did? He washed us from our sins? No, he made us kings. He made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And then it says, because of that, folks, glory to him and dominion forever. Don't you feel that way? Who is this Christ to tell me that I can't live how I want to live? Who is this Christ to tell me that my granddaughter is living out there in a way that's not going to be blessed? She's happy. I'm going to tell you what, you meet that little thing and she is not happy. To tell the truth, she is not happy. You go to her house and she's got ten things to tell you about that guy. Why he's not doing right. And that's true about every home. But I mean, you go out to this little house where this little girl's shacking up with you. You go out there where they're living outside of the, of the precepts of Christ. And that little girl's got ten things to say about that guy as soon as he leaves and mom's in the room. I tell you what I believe. I believe her little heart knows I'm not, this isn't right. If he doesn't love me, I don't want to be part of this. I'm, I'm in the trap. God made women know if they're loved or not. I'm telling you this. Women, women die to be loved. Men want to be respected. We want to be loved too. I'm not saying that. But men want to be respected. They want to be thought of, of their wife as a man. And that's my struggle in life to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm not much. I'm not much anymore. I can't do what I used to do, and I don't even want to anymore most of the time. But I want to say this to you: a woman wants to know that she is cherished by her husband. God put that in there. It is Satan's lie that a little girl will go live with some fella. That's Satan's lie. I'm going to tell you something else. Her life may turn around in six years or five months or whatever, but she'll never get over that. Never leaves. That'll be in her heart. And as soon as her husband does something that she doesn't agree with, right back to this, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not loved, I'm not loved, I'm not loved. <clears throat> Who is this Christ to tell me how to live my life? Man, I'm getting tired of sermons where you... You tell me, oh, we got to do this and got to do that or else. <laughs> Take that to the throne of God. Who are you to tell me? Now, this is, I'm not the one telling you. I'm reading it to you. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. My biggest, uh, 
question in my mind is how many people now in this generation in the last 25 years, the grandparents ran on the crime? Well, you know, I'm, well, what? Well, what? My grandma said, well, she murdered a couple people yesterday, but she wanted to. She's a good girl. Love her. Mm, cute, isn't she? Look at some pictures here. I got some pictures in my wallet. Of what? I'm going to go to my grave knowing this. I didn't get the spankings I deserved. I didn't get the whippings I deserved. But I'm grateful for the ones I got. I didn't, I didn't get the ones I didn't deserve. But I'm grateful that someone said, I'm bigger than you, I'm smarter than you, I know what's best for you, and you're going to do it this way. When you go out there, you can do whatever you want. I particularly am grateful for that. But I was not. I was not whipped outside of a reason to get to whip me. Matter of fact, I didn't get the ones I deserved. That's true. But you know what? If you got them, you didn't like them, you didn't deserve them, whatever. I didn't like any of them. I talked to my oldest brother yesterday, uh, Friday afternoon, to talk to him. He's 76 or 7 or up. He's old. And uh, I asked him, I said, so did you ever want to talk back? On he said, the problem with my dad was if if you take a whip and shut up, you'd be all right, but you got to talk back, you're going to get some more. And some people in the family did that, and I said, didn't you ever want to talk back? He said, I always wanted to say talk back, but I found out it didn't work. He said, when someone's about to pound on you, you want to state your cause. But you know what? My dad whipped some people sometimes because he was just mad. The Lord's not going to be like that. It'll be completely righteous righteousness, just. Don't you love him for it? Along the way, people said to me, I thought you, I wouldn't do that. When I was younger, I said, you're not me. A lot of people along the way, I think they love me. I believe, I believe that. They cared about me deeply. And they said, if I were you, I wouldn't do that. And I said, well, you're not me, are you? One guy said, well, you know what I'd do if I was you? I said, yeah, I'd go have a taco. That's where I'm going. You, you do that because you'd be me. I'm going there. And he goes, no, you know what I'd do? I go, what? Yeah. But you know what? When the Lord says, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Think more of yourself than that, and so much more than even that. Think of those under your care. And by the way, who is your neighbor? Who is under your care? Who are you to be a watchman for? I really, in my youth, believe this. Raising my children was the biggest challenge of my life until I had grandchildren. I look at those precious little children. Praise God. Amen, brother. And I look at the world they're out in. I look at the world they're out in, the lies that are being told. I can't leave nothing more than this. Do not let this world define you. And don't even define yourself. Let the Lord define you. Let the Word of God, let the Spirit of God define you. You know how many people, the parents let them grow up and decide, and they're confused? We have a thing today. You know what? Get at me, come at me, sue me, whatever. If you don't know if you're a boy or a girl, you're messed up. If you don't know if you're a boy or a girl and what you should do about it, you are messed up. You know what? You can't say that. Male and female created he them. That's right. Amen, brother. You know what? You know what this is? We're in the age of deception that is so deep and so strong that people don't even know who they are anymore. There was a time when I was a kid, they didn't know who Christ was. There was a time when they, they didn't know. And so I came to Lawrence in 1976, and you know what people told me as I was cutting their hair, these young students? I came to Lawrence to find myself. I said, I knew who I was when I was a kid. <laughs> but they're coming up here, I said, how much does that cost a semester to look around and prove yourself? I came up to discover who I am. 
And I said, there's a mirror. We were both in the mirror. There you are. <laughs> Pay me $17,000. i will take it. Didn't know who Christ was. Didn't know who they were. And now they don't know the plan of life. Don't even know what gender they are anymore. And if you think that's, a, that's an uncommon story, you're not listening. That is the great veil, the great deception of Satan. Do you know where that comes from? Come from Baal. Baal and Moloch. Those are the two preliminary gods that the world, the underworld today, is worshiping. It is gender confusion. In the in the in the palace of Baal, in the courts of Baal, they were half dressed, half man, half woman, the servants of Baal. What do you want to be? You're, you're, you choose. folks. No. Who is this Christ to tell me he made me a man and I should be a man? Who is Christ to tell me he, he birthed me as a girl and I should grow up to be a woman, a godly woman? Who is that Christ? He said, I'm the one that has eyes as a flame of fire. My feet are like brass. Bronze. He said, I have a golden girdle around my around my chest. My hair is white as wool, as white as snow, and my eyes are a flame of fire. I am the ancient of days. I'm him that was and is and will be. I always will be. I can tell you things that are going to happen before it ever did. It's called prophecy, and I'll not miss a lick. And I'm telling you this. You'll do what I'm telling you to do, or you'll suffer the consequences. And here's the beauty of it. Here's the grace of it. Here's the wonder of it. It's your choice. It's your choice. Now, if you don't live in my world, you don't see this, but I see it every day. People choose badly. People choose badly now. And so we finish with this. He had his right hand seven stars. And you see in the 20th verse, the stars are the angels or the messengers of the church. I said this, I'm, I'm going I'm to talk to the churches now and I hold in my right hand the messengers, the pastors of the church. He said they're mine and they're in my hand. I have them. The pastors of those churches are mine. I hold them. And he goes to each church, and I want you to see this as we go next week. Read ahead. Study those things. The, the, the second and the third chapters of, of the book of Revelation, it is the grade card to the seven churches. And he says this, I am. And when he says I am, he gives a qualification. He gives a characteristic of himself. And it is the answer to the problem of the church every time. And the answer, he always finishes with this. If you have an ear to hear, if you really love me, you mean it. If you want to know. He that hath an ear to hear. Do it. If you're listening, if, you, if you're listening, do it. Don't you think it's fascinating that he called John and he said to John, now listen to the, listen now, this is a pretty different Jesus than John was around for three and a half years, isn't it? He walked with him every day and he ate with Jesus and they slept with him and he he saw the miracles and he saw the frustration. John saw the trial very close. And John was at the foot of the cross. And the Lord said, John, I want you to see one more thing. And interesting to me is this. This is interesting to me. And so I know you'll be fascinated as well. He says in verse 10, in the spirit, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. In verse 12, he said, I turned to see the voice. Do you turn to see a voice? I never turn to see a voice. I turn to see who's speaking. You think that voice has some power in it? The voice that sound like a trumpet, that sound like many waters. You ever heard many waters? You ever heard the roar of the ocean? I went to Hawaii and spent 11 days, and I came back from Hawaii, and they said, what do you think about that over there? And I said, not much. It's a lot of sand, a lot of water. Thorns in the sand. 
He said, what did you learn over there? And I said, now that's interesting. That's interesting. I learned that water roars. To stand at the, stand at the beach at 2.30 in the morning in the blackness, all by myself. I went out there on purpose to be by myself. I've never been in any... I've been to some pretty good-sized lakes in my life, and I've never been to the ocean. I went to the ocean, I stood at the ocean. The sand was warm day and night. If it wasn't warm enough, wiggle your toes, and you'll be down in the warm sand. And I stood there, and 2.30 to 5.30, every morning I was there, pretty much, and I listened to the ocean roar. <laughs> What's that? It's water. used to cut hair downtown next to the football stadium. About 17, 15 years I worked down there, so twice I heard KU score. And when they did, I thought, wow, that sounded like the ocean. John said there was a voice behind me that sounded like a trumpet. But he said, I turned to see the voice. I think that's fascinating. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Did you know if Jesus Christ today spoke to you, you would drop to your knees? You know, I have friends and I have customers and I have acquaintances that believe this. The judgment seat is for everybody, which it's not. The judgment seat is for, the first one is for Christians only. And it is called a tribunal. The second one is for non-Christians, the white throat judgment. I have many friends, many acquaintances who believe this. They're going to, they're going to have their day of arguing with Christ. Folks, that's just nonsense. Nonsense. I couldn't argue with my dad. And I'm telling you, this is not even in the same ball field. I want to give my reason. I always had to have the last word. I'm lucky to have the last tooth. But I wanted to tell why. And one day my dad grabbed the back of my neck and my eyeballs got tight and my neck got he said, I know why. I was your age once. I know why you did it. I'm telling you to stop it. I don't want you to do it again. I'm going to stand before Christ one day. He knows why. What could I possibly say to Jesus when he said, why did you do that? You did this. You did this. Christians tell me this. We're not going to stand there and be told what we did wrong. Really? Our life is going to pass through a fire. But know this, you'll not be judged for heaven or hell. You're going straight to heaven. Straight to heaven. Isn't that good? Boy, you keep, you keep doing what I tell you not to do, and I have to whip you and whip you and whip you. What won't you learn? But you know what I never got? Kicked out of family. Amen. That's the beauty of it. If you love me, you wouldn't whip me. I love you because I would. I weep you because I love you. The seven stars which the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Do you believe this one's qualified to tell the churches what to do? I can't wait to get into the churches again with you. The first church is almost stellar. You look at it, it's just like, wow, I'd like to belong to that church. But then the most scathing thing is said, you've left your first love. You know what they left? You know what they left? They left the word of God. Now Paul said, be careful of wives' tales endless genealogies they, get it, they got into those things that again you know what that means they were building up who they were endless genealogies and wives tell Paul said walk away 
It isn't about where you're from. It's about where you're going. Get over yourself and get down the road. Let's go. We're Christians now. We're living Christ's life. Of course, uh, when I ask you, you know who my grandfather was? I want to tell you something. My great-grandfather was Moses. That's the truth. His name was Moses Cunningham. You believe that? You believe that? My great-grandfather's name was Moses. In his obituary, he's called Brother Mose by his church members. Oh, Brother Mose and Timothy is, uh, I've fought a good fight. That's in there. They typed that in there. And all the kids that he had and all the kid, grandkids that he had said he, they don't know what that was about. He never, he never looked like that one day of his life. Can I tell you this? The Lord doesn't read obituaries. <gasps> I do. And so far, everybody I've ever known or ever been in the area around me went straight to with their Lord. They went to be with their Lord. Everybody. Which makes Jesus Christ kind of shaky on this one. He said, many shall not go that way. But everybody in this area does. I'd like to see obituaries from Chicago. Went straight home to be with their Lord Thursday night with a family, loving family around in their presence while they passed. It's like, wow. <laughs> Wasn't he in the syndicate? <laughs> yeah, but he was a good one. He was a Christian mobster. We close with this. The qualified messenger. Next Sunday we go into the message. Prophecy means this. Now get that straight. Prophecy means this. History written in advance. The history of the entire church is wrapped up in these seven churches. It is the seven churches. But it's the history of every church of, of all time and what the church history is going to be. The dispensations of time. And I believe as you will read these things with me, we are in the Laodicean age. He says, you're not hot or you're not cold. You're sickening. You know how I know? He said, I'm going to puke you out. Spew you is what King James says. Vomit you is what the other ones say. And the new translations say puke. But that's not coach to the pulpit. Do you love him this morning? Will you listen to him as we go through the books? Let's listen to him. We'll learn so much. Father, we thank you now for this day. We thank you for the description you've given us of the Savior. We thank you that you've revealed yourself. You've absolutely disclosed who you are to us so we'll have the heart and mind to understand when you speak that you mean what you say and you have all the authority and the qualifications to do it. And so, Lord, as we head into these churches now in these next few weeks, we ask that you be with us, guide us through it, speak to us, give us clear understanding, and give us the courage to follow Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.